Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Brandon Marcello, 24-7 Sports, friend of the show, and does a great job covering all things in the college football landscape. And Brandon, as always, appreciate you joining us, man. How are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing pretty great, man. How are you? Yeah, we're doing great, man. And I know during this time of year, sometimes there is some football being talked about, maybe getting revved up for SEC Media Day, something like that. But having a, a schedule release like they did last night, knowing with Oklahoma and Texas being involved, just what did you make of the the whole program, the whole unveiling, the whole show, and just the schedules in general? I didn't watch it. Um I, I watch my kids play kickball instead in the coldest pack in my neighborhood. Uh, I, I uh, wasn't my cup of tea to to, to watch something uh, to be unveiled like that. As when you know, was that as the information was going to be released quickly? But anyway, I mean, the the, the schedule is what it is. I, I love it. I'm I'm much more excited to hear the dates for these games because I, I think that the SEC is going to do its best to make sure they got from week one through week 15 or whatever, that they've got one or two, probably two huge games on TV every week in the SEC. And that means, I think, we could potentially have monster games in week one in the SEC. And so if I was a fan of any of these schools in the SEC, I'd be looking to see if our week one is open right now. Do you have a non-conference game? Because if you don't, heck, maybe uh, you got Oklahoma on your schedule. Maybe Oklahoma might be uh, your week one opponent or something like that. I think that there's going to be some fascinating dates attached to all these games. What were some of the things you liked about it, Brandon, and then some of the things you didn't necessarily like as far as some of these teams and their opponents for the 2024 season? Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think that when you look at Oklahoma and Texas schedule is very, uh, very much kind of what we expected. I think that you could, you could one say it's difficult, or but to me, I think Oklahoma and Texas pretty much got pretty favorable schedules considering them being year one additions. And Oklahoma is going to get a taste of like what life is like in the SEC on the road with huge road road environments at Auburn and LSU. And then they get big-time opponents at home with Alabama and Tennessee. So they got a good mix. I think they, they even that out pretty well for them. And then Texas, much the same. I mean, they have to go to Texas a and which is obviously a renewal of that rivalry after a dozen years. They have to go to Arkansas, which they are very much not probably wanting to do after what happened a couple of years ago. And they also get Florida and Georgia at home. So, look, they gave both of them kind of, here's your taste. You're not, we're not going to hold back on you, OU in Texas. We're going to give you two marquee opponents at home and two marquee opponents on the road. Deal with it because this is your life now in the new conference. And speaking of Arkansas, uh, it seems like every Razorback fan that we've talked to and that we've heard from, they're all loving the schedule, which is a weird change because they've had the difficult, most difficult schedule every single year, it seems like. And we know Razorback fans, they never complain ever about anything. But just uh, knowing how the schedule sets up for them, having LSU, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Texas at home, and then Auburn, Mississippi State, Missouri on the road with the A&M game at a neutral site, uh, I feel like, I mean, there's other schedules there too. There's 16 of them, but I feel like you'd be hard-pressed to find a better schedule than what the Razorbacks are going to be having in 2024. 
Yeah, I think it's the best by far in the SEC. Um, you couldn't have asked for anything better, and it's kind of a not payback, but retribution, so to speak, for 2020 season uh, with what the SEC did to them with scheduling. Uh, what, what a tremendous schedule. You get LSU, Tennessee, and Texas at home. And your biggest game on the road is, is Auburn. Um, that's huge. You're going to Mississippi State and Mizzou. That's fine. And A&M, of course, being a neutral site game, which that doesn't appear will be the case anymore after 24. But um, what a tremendous schedule. I mean, you have big opponents coming to your place, but they're not, you know, Bama and Georgia. You avoid them. Not, not a lot of people can say that in the SEC. So I, I love the schedule for them. And, you know, if you're the Razorbacks, goodness gracious, if you don't get to a bowl game in 2024, I, I'd be scratching my head. So there was a lot of back and forth with eight or nine conference games, and we know for the next couple of years it's going to be eight. With the model that they put out for these eight opponents, it looks like this is something that could be sustainable long-term and that – there won't be any kind of rush to get to nine. Now, of course, that could change, but it just looks like they have a good model in place right now. Yeah, you know, this is obviously a temporary model, even if they do stay with eight games, because, you know, this isn't necessarily the the one uh, seven format. We have one permanent rival and seven rotating. This is a hybrid version of that, where they're protecting a lot of the secondary rivalries in this as well. But if they were to switch to the 1-7 permanently and stick with eight games, I, I think that you would see some of these secondary rivalries potentially uh, go to the wayside. So this is a hybrid model. This isn't necessarily the model they had been discussing for a long-term plan if they were to stick with eight games. Um, in the end, they, they will go to nine. Uh, I, that's just That just seems common sense at this point and the discussions within the SEC. And, again, it's, a, it's all kind of hinges on the SEC getting more money out of ESPN and then also making sure nothing crazy happens with the first year of the college football playoff as far as how they look at strength of schedule and how the SEC fares in that. Um, you know, listen, the SEC going into 24 is <laughs> only them and one other conference has 16 teams and they're not playing nine games. So at some point they're going to have to do it. Unless, say, in 2024, first year of the playoff, they get like four teams in the playoff, and they're like, okay, never mind, we're good with eight games. But I don't see that happening, and uh, they'll go to nine here sooner than later. I, I would think in 2025 we'll see that be in place. We're speaking with Brandon Marcello of 24-7 Sports here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. Uh, so, Brandon, you mentioned Texas and Oklahoma and the schedule that they have, kind of like a welcome to the SEC type of thing, and uh, I saw some uh, some Texas as well, some Oklahoma people saying that maybe it was a little bit harsh, maybe it was a little unfair, maybe it's like a, a thing that was done on purpose. Do you think that there was anything done like that, or do you b- honestly believe that uh, the SEC just tried to put together as balanced of a schedule as possible for everybody while also maintaining particular games for certain teams to keep those rivalries alive? Yeah, I think they did. I think they kept it balanced. And the reason for that is because Alabama and Georgia have the toughest schedules, and they should because they've been the two most consistent programs over the last decade in the SEC. So they should get the more difficult schedule. Um, and then you look, I would say Vanderbilt would maybe have some, some issues with that, but no one ever talks about Vanderbilt because there's no Vanderbilt fans in football. Hmm. So I, Texas, listen, 
Texas only has three true road games in the schedule. Arkansas, A&M, and Vanderbilt. Remember Oklahoma being played at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. And one could argue two of their toughest games are going to be at home with Florida and Georgia in that schedule. So I don't know what Texas fans should complain about. Maybe they should complain about having to go to Arkansas again, but I, I don't think they would complain about that either. Um, OU, though, probably has a little bit more of an issue because they only get three true home games. But they counter that with you get Alabama and you get Tennessee at home. The problem is they have to go to Auburn and LSU, which are two of the loudest environments in the entire country, not just the SEC. What do you think of Vandy's opponents overall? Because they kept a lot of the former SEC East opponents intact, but also Georgia rolls off. They still play Bama, but as, as far as one of the tougher games, but with the opponents, it looks like they may have caught a, a bit of a break. Now, you know, being at Vandy, you're probably always going to be behind it, but overall, it looks like their opponents aren't overly tough. Well, you had LSU, so that's tough. You had Texas, that's tough. I it, this is the toughest schedule as far as context, considering where Vanderbilt is as a program. And I hate to say it, but, you know, you look at that schedule, and we don't know what any of these rosters are going to look like, but find me a win in the SEC for Vanderbilt on there. Um, maybe Missouri, if they're down. I don't know. South Carolina's on the rise. Bama's Bama. Tennessee is Tennessee. I think Tennessee's back. Texas is going to have much more talent. Auburn's going to have much more talent. Kentucky's been the most consistent team outside of Georgia in the old SEC East. LSU, I think, said we contending for the SEC West for the next five years. And then Mizzou, maybe they might be going undergoing a coaching change there. So maybe that's your win, potentially. But, man, that's uh, Vanderbilt, you know, of, uh, we don't talk enough about this, but conference realignment, but programs like Vanderbilt, man, not only are they get, being threatened to be left behind, but, man, they're, they're – they're coming apart. We're not even talking about them. We're not even talking about the little guy and how frustrated they should be. And at this point in the year, where there's really nothing to talk about, people should be talking about that, and we're not. And it just kind of goes to show you that no one cares about the little guy in college football anymore. Isn't that the case, though, for Vandy every year? You know, some of the things you mentioned, as far as, you know, you look at the opponents, you look at the schedule, it's always going to be tough for them just because of where they are as a program. Not necessarily, because you remember the James Franklin years where they were winning nine games. They were competitive under Derek Mason. They were winning SEC games. We're talking about a Vanderbilt now that's back in the early 2000s era, if not maybe worse. We're talking about, are they going to win an SEC game? Are they going to win two games, three games this year? And the the problem for them is is that they have improved their recruiting, actually, and for that matter, their development of players. But what's really killing them, and it's going to kill them, I think, in the future years is the transfer portal. I mean, you go there and your best players are leaving. So what are you gonna, What are you supposed to do about that? You can't. It's so, so difficult. This is unlike anything, obviously, we have faced in college football, but for those little programs, the moment you have success or you have a star player, they're right out the door. And uh, I mean, it's even worse when you're an SEC program and you're at the bottom of the totem pole. Brandon, looking at the schedule in general, too, was there a game that's missing maybe that you wanted to see, like a particular opponents that you thought would have been uh, really good to watch? Because, again, I think they did a good job with the rivalries, but uh, was there a game you would have liked to have seen on the schedule in 2024? Not necessarily. Um, 
I would have to go deep and deep into that. But, like, to me, losing the rivalry, or I say rivalry games, but people don't really think of them that way. But, like, you know, Alabama, Mississippi State, Mississippi State, Auburn, those are games that have been played for the life of the SEC every single year outside of the World War II. And those aren't going to be played next year. Or, excuse me, 2024, yeah. So, it's, that's a little weird, but also those are games that just haven't really necessarily been competitive all that much, other than maybe Auburn and Mississippi State when they have faced each other. But, again, those aren't marquee games. So, and listen, the SEC has had a couple of two years now to figure this all out, and they have had this kind of in their in their files, on their desktop, so to speak, of their computer. Um, they've been building this in various models for quite some time, and um, – They've obviously done their homework and did a very good job of evening this out and protecting a lot of the games that we all like to like to watch. So you like what happened with Arkansas and some of the other teams that, that you may like as far as the opponents that they have lined up for 2024? Yeah, I really like LSU's schedule. I like Mizzou's schedule as well. And I like Texas's schedule. Um, as a first-year schedule, because as I mentioned for Texas, you know, one of their quote-unquote road games is the neutral side against OU. So they only have three true SEC road games in their first year. And LSU, which is obviously back to being an SEC West contender, and they did so last year with a talent that's not going to be as talented as this year's roster, and for that matter, 2024's roster, LSU gets both Alabama and OU at home and their toughest game, I would argue, on the road for LSU is going to be Florida. Now, some might say Texas A&M, but I think it's Florida because of just the history we've seen with, between those two programs, and that's more of a rivalry to me, Florida-LSU, than what LSU and, and Texas A&M has kind of turned into here in recent years. But I, I, I really like that LSU schedule. I mean, the only thing that would have made that better is if that Vanderbilt game that they have scheduled was a road game for them, and they would have been able to flip that with, say, Florida or Texas A&M. Where would you put A&M in that pecking order? I got them kind of – I did it three tiers. They like love it, like it, hate it. I got Texas A&M in the like it category. It's it's okay. Um, you know, the only thing that would have made it better is if that Arkansas game was a true home game for them. Um, the problem for them, though, is having to go on the road to Auburn and Florida. It's really difficult. But they also have to go to Mississippi State and South Carolina, which aren't necessarily tough. But South Carolina, as I said, is on the rise. Who knows how talented they might be here in a year. Um, and A&M gets Texas at home in the renewal of that rivalry, which is going to be a gigantic game, one of the most looked-forward-to games all season. Um, and, of course, you got that LSU, that new budding rivalry at home for them as well. So they got two of their bigger games, quote-unquote rivalry games, if you want to say, uh, at home in 2024. And that sets up well for them. And, and we mentioned they've got a four-year window that's now down to two years, really, this year and next year, to win a national championship in my eyes. And the reason why I say that is because they had the best recruiting class ever signed two years ago, two recruiting classes ago, and every program that has signed the number one recruiting class in a single year in the 24-7 sports composite has either played for a national championship in the championship game or has won it, obviously. And A&M has yet to even be to the playoff. 2024 is really the end of that window for them. So the schedule, not 
not great, but it's also not bad. And there's really no more excuses to be made for A&M. Well, Brandon, uh, just to, for a fun question, because I, I was kind of thinking about this too. We know that you got this season, and then the next season is when this all starts. But of the 16 teams with their 16 head coaches, how many of those coaches do you feel like are still at the same school once that comes <laughs> around? Because I'm like, man, it, it, you, you talked about rosters looking different. Coaching staffs could even look different at that point too. Yeah, uh, let me go down the roster here. I mean, <laughs> um, let's see, Florida. Who knows? But I think I think they're they're they, they're playing a slow play there with Billy Napier. I think he's safe this year and next year going to 2024. Um, you know, who knows with Zach Arnett at Mississippi State? If this year's a complete kind of train wreck, and they sign him to a deal that's really conducive for Mississippi State to make a move, and maybe they would kind of sell it as a temporary uh, decision and keeping Zach there because of the horrible and just terrible situation after Mike Leach's passing, but that's a lot of hypotheticals. Uh, Brent Venables at OU, man, he better start winning this year. Um, you know, you do not want to start off your SEC uh, membership with a coach who's got a losing record uh, in his career at OU, but OU has been killing it on the recruiting trail, guys. They have been killing it, and I think they're preparing very well for the SEC. But yes, elsewhere, man, I I don't know if I see coaching changes on the horizon. I don't even know. I don't even think Vanderbilt would make a change. So I think the SEC might be pretty stable outside of Mizzou uh, right now. Um, you know, I hate to say it, but like, and it's not even a hot seat. I don't even know if it's a warm seat. But with Sam Pittman, man, if, if they don't go to a bowl game this year, you know, you might be sitting there as an AD going, okay, so if we don't feel like things are working out with Sam Pittman, we don't feel like it's a long-term fix for us, should we make the move now before we, quote-unquote, give him a chance to actually have a successful season in 2024? Because, as we said, that schedule sets up so well for Arkansas that they should have. I mean, fans should be circling 2024 as, well, we think that one's going to be better than 2023, even without K.J. Jefferson at quarterback. But... If you struggle this year, do you want to give Sam Pittman another year to quote-unquote prove himself when it's against an easier schedule? That's that's an interesting thing to kind of go through. But, again, I don't think Pittman's in trouble at all. I, the only Long story short, I'm talking my way out of all this, but I, I think the only person who's really in trouble is uh, Eli Drinkowitz at Mizzou. 